right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Property Players. I am your host, C. Muzan. Got a great guest here with me, uh, a guy that we actually uh, connected on social, but our roots, and I guess I can't really say my roots, but our, our backstory is a little connected, and you guys will figure out why. Uh, but I want to uh, welcome on Mark Yu. So, Mark, thank you so much for, for coming on the, the podcast, man. Great invite. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, I was trying to not allude to it, but I'll just jump right in. My wife uh, is a Milt, also known as, right, like uh, the uh, Milton Hershey School uh, has a lot, has brought a lot of people together. And uh, Mark is, a, did you graduate Milton Hershey? Or you just I did. All right. So he's a graduate of, Mil of Milton Hershey School, which um, if you haven't looked it up or know anything about it, it's an amazing, amazing school. Uh, but they have this amazing bond. There's something about a Milt, right? That you guys just have this bond. So me being married to a Milt, I feel like I'm in the family. And hence, I got connected with, with Mark. Um, so talk, start there, because I was just like jumping straight in, Mark. Like, how has Milton Hershey kind of shaped kind of what you're, what you're doing uh, right now in life? Well, you know, <laughs> the school is great. I, I think we would have had, um, I would have had a worse opportunity growing up somewhere else if I didn't grow up at Hershey. Uh, so it was, a, it was a great benefit. It actually taught me some discipline. Um, it taught me, I mean, some guys are telling me that it kind of effed up our head uh, a little bit. Um, Which is the way true. <laughs> to, to a degree, it did. <laughs> Um, we, you know, the stuff I do at home is insane. I still pin my socks together. Mm -hmm. Uh, how I do my, how I wash my floor. I, I wash it on my knees with my hands. Yeah. I don't have any mop or, you know, it's pretty insane. But at the end of the day, uh, when we got out of here, we, we learned some valuable skills that, uh, to me kind of work hand in hand with the real estate and mortgage business. Uh, I, I tend to challenge and question everything. Um, and, and that kind of helped me, you know, kind of rival through the BS in this market um, with people trying to sell you Kool-Aid and, and whatnot. Um, but, you know, I mean, Hershey was, it was an opportunity that, you know, it changed my life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I see that happen with, with, with a lot of the notes. So, you know, now let's, let's really get into you. So take me through your real estate journey. First off, how long have you been in the real estate world? So before I went to, uh, before I went to Hershey, uh, when I was younger, uh, my parents was just getting into the real estate business. Mm. And every time I went home for vacation, so I would go home for Easter, I would go home for summer break for Thanksgiving and Christmas, back to California. And what I did to do an analysis package my parents' loan files. <laughs> okay. And, uh, so I started learning in an early age. I think I was in senior division. I was in ninth and tenth grade when I started working on loans. And I became a full-fledged loan officer right out of high school. Okay. So I started doing loans, and I'm not going to tell you what year I graduated. How old I am? We can guess. We can guess it, but that's okay. Keep going. Um, but I've been doing that and and real estate since then. Yeah. Learned a lot. Uh, made a lot of mistakes. Of course, from my mistakes. So talk. So so let let let's start right out of high school. You're 18, 17, 18, 19. You jump into loans. What was that like? Was it like second nature to you because you had been doing it? Was there a learning curve for you? How are you feeling? 
it was kind of both. I mean, it was second nature because I understand, I understood the whole process of it, but the learning curve was the sales aspect because I was, instead of my parents getting the deals, I was, I was literally the one getting the deals myself. So yeah. it was a lot of learning. I did some door knocking. Mm. Remember my mom dropping me off in the middle of a weird neighborhood and just said, here, pass this out. I'm like, why? And I'm looking at it, it says, free $500 Home Depot gift card if you get a loan through us. Right. I'm like, we have $500? <laughs> um, anyway, it, it, was, it, was, it was a, it was a, a great lesson. Yeah. Um, the door knocking was a huge experience and something I, I learned and I still do today. Were, were you working for, so you weren't working for your parents as soon as you were fresh out or were you working for your parents? I was working for my parents and then when I, I had to, I had to go to college right after. Okay. And um, so my parents hooked me up with a broker in, uh, in state college, Pennsylvania. Got it. Got it. And so then from there, what was like the next move? How did, so did you graduate college still working in real estate? Did you get rid of college at, at any point? No, I still graduated college. I still graduated as a chemical engineer. Okay. Um, I started working, I went back to California and started working in the pharmaceutical industry. Okay. I started from the bottom, basically working at this company called Genentech. Okay. Uh, worked my way up um, to uh, a research scientist at another pharmaceutical company. Um, yeah, I uh, I still did loans. Yeah. I was still doing loans. Literally, I was producing more loans uh, per month in volume than a full time loan officer would. Wow. So, so why, so why have the job? Why not be full-time loans? Why did you think you needed to go the career route or something? Yeah, I'm Asian. <laughs> I it, didn't know. <laughs> it was a big monkey on my back. Like education was important. Yeah. So even though I didn't want to do it, I still had to finish it. Mm. Um, you know, actually just March of this year or last year, 2019, March of 2019, I officially retired from wow. the industry. Congratulations, man. Congrats. It was, it was, it was hard to get, it was hard to do, but yeah. I, I stopped looking at my paycheck from the pharmaceutical company. Yeah. Cause all I could see is the paycheck from my, my mortgage and real estate. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what happens when obviously, right. You continue to push in something that you, it's basically innate to you. If, if you've been involved in, you know, real estate or loans since, you know, you were a kid, most people don't have that type of experience. Uh, to say that they can transition to be full time or whatever the case is, and you know it's probably about time for you that it it was the right move, right? Right. I get it. I get it. So walk me through your career. Walk like if outside of the the corporate job or or what you've been doing. Walk me through your real estate career ups downs. When did you get that first major like blow? Like I don't know if I want to do this. Did you ever have that? Major oh, I have it all the time. Actually, it's like every other week. <laughs> Still to this day, right? Right. It's to this day. Um, you know, the career. So I when I when I got back here, um, you know, I, I wanted to work with uh, my family on the mortgage side because it was it was easier that way. Mm. Um, I started working for my godfather actually, and he he had a company called uh, Rollingwood Investment and Mortgage Company, a mortgage broker. Okay. Um, I was packaging loan files. And getting loans together with my clients, and then um, an accountant executive would show up to our office and start picking up all these loans from us, and we get paid at the end of the day. Yeah, it was good, man. Back then, um, you know, interest rates in the uh, late '90s were around nine, ten percent. Wow. 
for a house. Wow. And eight, because before that, it was like 12%. Sure. And so, you know, we're selling these loans at like 8 9%. People were eating it up like candy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, it got to a point where I just realized that my, my family was not giving me enough commission. Hmm. What was that like? Let's start there because th- is that a conversation you had? Is that arguments? Because again, we know family business. Well, I, they kind of got pissed off because I kind of went on my own and found another place to work. Uh, okay. Um, I, I found um, I decided to work for Countrywide um, and, and told my grandfather or my godfather that uh, um, after I got hired, saying, mm. hey, Wow. So he got pissed and, and uh, you know, it was, it was, it was kind of a, a great transition after that because I really was independent from then on forward. Yeah. And I didn't have it and nobody was holding my hand. It was all me. That's good. But the, from, from early nineties till about 2000, shoot, I can't remember. I think 2005, mm-hmm. um, it was a crazy, like, you know, it was a lot of money. I, I was going to Vegas like every other month. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I was dating, you know, I wasn't even yeah. married at the time. Yeah. Um, I didn't have kids at the time either. Sure. It Life was, changes. <laughs> well, what do you do when you're young and you have all this money? Mm-hmm. I mean, I blew it almost every month. I didn't do with savings. That's what, that's one thing I didn't learn at Hershey. Yeah. Uh, as a milk, what do I do with all that money? And I'll tell you, honestly, Mark, like no one learns that. No one learns that. It most, and and, and, you know, this is our our space where we talk more about the finance and financial literacy part. You know, no one teaches us about money. No one teaches us. We get our money habits from our parents, or if not, we pick it up from our peers and the people around us or television, right? Whatever influences us, but no one actually teaches us about how, when money comes in, what to do with it. And how old were you at this time when you decided to branch out and go do your thing? I was 20. See, right? And <laughs> you're, 20, you're, you're 20 years old. Of course you don't know what to do with, with the money, right? Of course you do. <laughs> like that's just, that's everyone. Um, and you know, that's one of the things that I'm passionate about now is getting people that information and getting people that knowledge so that when you do come into money or when you do work hard and get, you know, ahead financially that you know exactly what to do with it so that, right. We don't blow it. We don't look back and say, man, if I had only, cause I'm sure you have those moments every once in a while where you're like, man, if only I, I, you know, it, the whole, the whole, um, idea or, or, or what I say, I, I, I look at myself and, and, and call myself a PhD, poor, hungry, and driven. <laughs> there we go. Um, I realized that I did have fun. I, 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 I don't doubt that. I, I literally, the money I was making yeah. and the crap I was buying with that money, I, I had a lot of fun. Sure. But, you know, marriage came along, kids came along, uh, my priorities changed. And I realized, I was like, okay, let me change gear because at that time, all I kept doing was chasing money, chasing money, chasing money. Sure. So I did. So I got my, in 2005, I, I decided to focus on real estate instead of mortgage. Mm. And because I got more commission on a real estate deal than a mortgage deal and everybody wanted to buy a house. Right. Right. I can have somebody walk into my door and say, I want to buy a house. And 
I have no idea what the finances are. I say, hey, go to somebody in Countrywide, go to somebody at, at uh, Wachovia or Long Beach Mortgage at that time, and and they'll come back, oh, we have an approval for 600000 I'm like, okay. Okay. Wow. And, um, you know, I mean, that was a subprime market back then. And, and what year was this? This was like 2005? Yeah, 2005, 2006. 2006 was the highest sales of record in a single year than any other year in the United States. However, the percentage of qualified people to buy a house was only like four or five percent. Yeah. Yep. So there's more sales at home, but there's less people qualified. I hear it. I hear it. How how has the industry changed? Because I know it's changed a bunch, but you've seen it from the inside, from both a loan perspective and right now, you know, the agent side. How has it changed? So it weeded out the honeymooners. Okay. Um, you know, I'm a seasoned, you know, veteran of the real estate mortgage industry. I can actually say that. I'm the one that I've seen where it's like a sign curve. The market goes up, goes back down, goes up. Every time the market goes down, everybody quits. Right. <laughs> right. The best analogy I always tell my, um, my mentees is this business is you have to keep going no matter what. If you really want to, you don't really want this business to uh, take off and you want to do well, don't, first of all, don't chase the money and keep pumping that well. So I don't know if you've seen the old well pumps. Mm -hmm. um, you keep pumping it, but no water's coming out until finally after a while, water starts coming out. So you keep pumping until and keep, have that water keep coming out. But if you stop, water goes back down again, and guess what, you gotta pump it over again. Right. So people who quit literally say, I can't do this. And then, so they stop pumping the water and then they don't realize how much effort they have to go back up to keep pumping the water back out. Absolutely. So don't stop pumping the water, right? That's big. That's big. What and happened and with the market. Go ahead. So in, in 2008, when it crashed, when the market crashed, we went almost 40% of realtors quit, yeah. got a regular job. Almost, almost 40, actually 50, 60% of lenders, yeah. loan officers like myself, yeah. quit. And got a regular job. Wow. I still stuck with it. Right. Um, no matter, I mean, the market did change. It was hard to prove a person in 2008, 2009. Yeah. So I was, I was a waiter at a restaurant while I still did loans. Yeah. I was, I it. you know, I had to do what I had to do, but still, I never gave it up. And I think that's a big part. Like one of the things that I see today is people don't have that perseverance. First off, people get into the real, from what I see today, people get into real estate to chase the money because mm -hmm. they think there's money there because everyone talks about money being in real estate. And so that's why they're there. And then they get there and realize you can make some, but it may take also some time to be able to really, you know, get your clientele base, really do what you want to do in the, uh, in the industry. And most people don't give it that time. I mean that the oil, the, you know, the, the water pump, analogy is a hundred percent true right I, I say it in a different way but similar right momentum is one of the hardest things to get back once you lose it right and that momentum that you have people don't understand by putting in the time by putting in the reps by continuing to make the calls by continuing to go down that path you're actually building the momentum once you stop though 
and you lose the momentum, you actually start back at zero. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you have to build it all back up again. And people don't have that perseverance anymore to say like, I'm willing to go through the ups and the downs of this market. What do you think gave you that? Have you always been the guy that perseveres? Do you think it was because you made a bunch of money and saw it? Like, what do you think that comes from? From, from Hershey, from okay. school. Uh, it's back to that PhD thing, poor, hungry, and driven. Yeah. I've seen where I started from. Yeah. I've seen, I, I was in a, I don't know if you're familiar with San Francisco's Tenderloin. Okay. When I first came here to the country, we lived in the Tenderloin. Everybody was shooting up. Yeah. Everybody was shooting up. My brother and I were boosting cars. We were, it was so bad. I mean, we were, uh, we were doing some crazy shit. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. And we're yeah. doing crazy stuff. Yeah point where, you know, we, it, we didn't really care what was going to happen in the future. Hershey, when we went to Hershey, we saw what, um, a, almost like a family. I mean, when we ate dinner, we ate dinner as a family. Yeah. We learned proper etiquette. We learned how to do chores, but it wasn't that. It was the ambiance of like, this is a family structure. Right. Even though it wasn't, but it was, this is a family structure. When we got out, we went back to like, oh crap, we are independent again and we get new whatever we want but there was no organization and discipline mm. so I, I, like i said i did some crazy stuff when i was younger when i got out of hershey yeah. uh, and made good money but the moment i got married the moment i had kids it made me think back like i don't ever want my kids to start how i started when i was a kid sure and so that I, I would say is the reason is family yeah um the, the idea of the whole focus of being poor hungry and driven yeah um but you got to know too that 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 goes both ways because i've seen the other side that people that are that would still associate with being poor hungry and driven but they still don't stick it out right like they'll get into something and because of their level of ambition or because of i don't know whatever they're trying to do when the that market crashes and they don't hang out. They go to the next idea and the next idea because that is what keeps them going. But it really means something to stick around long term through the ups and downs. And yeah, maybe that did come from 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 Milton Hershey. Maybe um, it came more from just, you know, internally. I think some of those things are just God given. Right. Like, I don't know, because I have something similar where um, I always think about just the long term plan of whatever it is, whether it's my marriage, whether it's my business, right? Whatever it is, I think of like, we're gonna stick this thing all the way out. I don't care how bad it is for two years if we're gonna be in this for 50, right? Like what's two years? And I think I haven't seen that mindset in a lot of people. So to hear it from you say, you know, you stuck it out, right? 20 plus years and you're going through the ups and downs. I think that's a real special quality. And I think it might be, more internal than 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 you think maybe maybe all i know is that um at the end of the day the goal was to make sure all my kids college are paid for yeah. my i'm debt free my mortgage and i'm just living a simple life um i want to be able to see my grandkids absolutely you know, my kids to grow up get married have kids and be able to see my grandkids so health is really important as well and Believe it or not, money is not the, the, the answer, but it certainly helps. Of course. Right? Of course. But chasing the money will only make the money run away from you. Mm, that's good. 
Hopefully people just heard that. For all the listeners, we can stop there and take a second. For everyone that's in real estate, getting into real estate, been in real estate, chasing the money, what Mark just said is important, right? The fact that the more that you chase it, the more it runs away from you is such a true statement, Mark. It's such a true statement. Go ahead, elaborate on that. So if you actually focus on what's more important to you, right? Family, your religion, God, Christianity, whatever religion, Muslim, um, focus on your health. And, and honestly, that's really it, those three. Um, kind of everything kind of falls in that way. It, don't expect the easy route of earning money because that's really only temporary. Every quick money scheme has always been temporary. Rome wasn't built in a day. If you really want to focus on real estate and you need to tell yourself, this is my career and this is my job, take it seriously. Yeah. Wake up in the morning every single day, put on a damn suit, mm -hmm. put on a dress. You know, I'm, yeah, I am not dressed up right now. <laughs> I, I can, I can wear whatever I want. Right. Suck it out. You're a vet. You're a vet. You can I'm do a vet. You, you're um, the OG of it. So you could do whatever. <laughs> but I kid you not, every morning I would get up at the same time at 5 a.m. in the morning and put up my suit on, stand in front of the mirror and start talking to myself in the mirror before I walk out that door. When did you pick this up? Like, when did you pick up that type of routine? Um, when, I got, um, when I got evicted from uh, my apartment when I was younger, yeah. uh, I started earning money, but I'm afraid of losing money. So, you know that um, I, when I was younger, I made good money, but I was so bad with it that I would check my, um, my bank account every single time I go to McDonald's, right? Like, do I have enough money to go to McDonald's because wow. I need money to pay for my rent, yeah. right? That was bad. Yeah. I mean, I was like, even though I made good money, I, I was driving a Jaguar when I was younger, wow. right? My, my license plate had dollar sign, dollar sign, four PTS on it because that's how much money I made per loan. But even I, I was making, I was worried about making my car payment and my rent. I didn't even own a house back then, making a car payment rent. And so for me to check to see if I had enough money to buy a Big Mac. Wow. was pretty bad. Yeah. So when I, when I got evicted from my apartment back in the day, I realized I was like, I am so bad at managing my finances. Nobody taught me. Right. Let me, let me remind myself every morning the things I have to do. So I stand in front of the mirror and this is just me. I stood in front of the mirror. I wasn't like, Hey, handsome guy. No, I was like, Hey, Mark, wake up. It's time for you to get the work done. One, make sure all the bills are paid and due. Two, make your calls, do your, um, do your door knocking and then do it. And so I had this checklist yeah. and I had a checklist on a post-it next to the mirror. So I would look at it because mm. I don't remember that shit. Right. So, so I get in front of the mirror and literally remind myself, so at that time when my girlfriend was watching me, she was like, he's insane, he's crazy, he's talking to himself, right? Yeah. Now, well, my wife now, she understands it, but like, <laughs> that was a big thing. I, I mean, I had to constantly remind myself where I'm at. That's a real lesson, that's a real lesson. Uh, I read in some book or you know something that, that I've heard, right? You have to continue to talk to yourself and not just listen to yourself. And so what you were doing was programming your mind. You were talking to yourself, telling yourself the things that needed to get done, right? For me, it's at, those are similar times where we're doing affirmations, right? In the mm -hmm. morning, whether it's you know 
giving yourself some good money affirmations that, you know, you're a magnet for money, that, you know, you, money comes to you in all directions, right? All those type of things that you're saying instead of listening to yourself saying, oh my God, I don't have money. Oh my God, how am I going to pay, right? That's listening to ourselves. That's where most people's brains go. Our job is to talk to ourselves, rewire it, and then actually those things start to manifest for you. Like whether people believe in, you know, manifestation or whatever, it's true that like if you, whatever you speak out into the universe, right, it's going to come back to you uh, because that's the way energy works. And you learned that from an early age that you needed to wake up, talk to yourself in the morning to get your mind right so that you could have a day. Now, take, take me through your schedule when you were really busting it, right? I know early stage, it could be kind of easy that it was coming to you, but really when you were busting it in your heyday of busting it, whenever that was, What's your day-to-day? -day? Like, take me from 5 a.m. to midnight oh, or whatever. Busting it would be 2009. Okay. Because the market crashed. It was hard to get loans. It was hard to get people to even walk in the door and get you a loan. Um, my typical day was wake up in the morning. I had, was horrible at eating breakfast. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I did was grab a cup of coffee. <laughs> and once I grabbed a cup of coffee, I was on my way out the door gave my wife and my kids a kiss. Um, and how old were your kids at that time? Um, so my oldest, he was, uh, four years old. My second was two and my third was, uh, just born. He was, she was only like a few months old. Wow. So you had just had a baby when the market crashed. What's your wife going through at that time? She is stressed out. I mean, yeah. we, we've like been a yo-yo since we've been together. Like she was ready to leave me. She wasn't ready to leave me. She's ready to leave me. I hate you. I love you. I hate you. Sounds was, like the life of an entrepreneur, right? <laughs> well, it was, it was because her mentality, you know, my wife's Mexican. Hmm. She was born in Mexico. Her whole family was their, their ideal of working is working like, manual labor yeah clock in clock out yeah it was like that 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 whole self-sourced business entrepreneurial mindset right wasn't there so when i would leave in the morning and not come home till like nine or ten in the evening yeah my wife was like what are you doing? you're not getting paid overtime why are you working so much wow right yes yeah. so i had to get her to understand my business I do have to admit, I, you have to spend more time with your family. You have to set aside time sure. or it's just going to fall apart. Absolutely. In 2009, I worked my butt off. I, uh, I would leave in the morning and I would start writing. Um, I would do scripts. I would write scripts so I can start doing cold calling. Hmm. I would get leads from title companies. I would get leads from realtors. I would get leads from whatever I can get my leads on, I would try and call those leads in the morning and in the evening, right? Like around seven o'clock, six or seven o'clock when people get home. Okay. In the middle of the time, I'm trying to contact more referral partners, like realtors. I, I make a list of all the realtors that I'm supposed to talk to that week. Mm -hmm. And I maintain that week on um, that list until next week and follow up with them again. Like, you know, the, Loan officers and realtors have to be politicians. They have to be in people's face all the time in order for the people to get them to vote. Absolutely. Right? How can I be, how can I, people remember me? 
you know, there's marketing stuff like calendars with my pictures on it. No, that hardly helps. What it does help is you actually call them and say, hey, I just wanted to wish you a happy Thanksgiving or happy birthday, happy anniversary, right? I keep a log of all that stuff. It's it's tedious, yeah. but it, the whole point is I can actually call them up for a good reason, and I truly really mean it. Happy birthday, bro. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, I use it like this is how I use social media. Like I mm-hmm. use social media for this exact same thing. And now they have products like Salesforce where you can actually log a lot of this stuff and it'll keep track of birth dates and anniversaries and that stuff for you because that call is important. But that presence of being in front of someone just all the time, it's social media these days, right? Like it's people's faces in their phone. So if I can show up <laughs> right where you're looking, you're going to remember me when it's time for you to use me. That's all. And I think that's the game for most people in the real estate, it, whether it be loans, agents, so whatever the case is. The game changed. 2009 was like hustle, hustle, hustle. Yeah. And then now it's not like that. I mean, I still hustle, but it's hustle, hustle, social media for three hours, hustle, hustle. <laughs> right. 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 Uh, most of my business is from social media at this point. I would say about 99% of my business from social media. Wow. So now let's, let's walk down that path, right? Like how was that transition for you? Cause I know, and again, interviewing a few other people on this, on this podcast, some realtors and agents and people in loans and all that, like they're not the happiest with the change and going on to social media and it's not like it used to be. So they're very resistant. How, how, how are you in like kind of moving towards the social media world? So we're salespeople. The market, the market is like this again. Mm-hmm. You have to adapt when the market goes up, when the market goes down. Social media is another aspect of adaptation that you have to get used to. Absolutely. Right? Millennials are not 80%, 85% of millennials are looking to do um, for houses online. Mm. Right? I didn't see it. Adam- it wasn't adamant to me until I moved to another city because of my research job. Remember, I was, I was doing the pharmaceutical. Right. I moved to uh, the city called Vacaville. Um, I knew nobody. Mm. I mean, I didn't know. I didn't know. I, I, I was new. My family was new. Sure. And at the end of the day, how am I supposed to sell in an area I, I have no influence over, right? Right. Then somebody created a group called 707 Home Hunt. You can look this up on Facebook. It's called 707 is the area code. Okay. Home Hunt. And I looked at it at that time, it was like 2015, um, and there was only 300 people in it. Then somebody had a question about credit. And so I went ahead and answered it, didn't think anything of it. But I was like, you know, the state of California can actually cover your down payment and closing costs with that credit score. You say you don't have money for down payment. Well, you can actually get it from the state of California. I don't start going off on the computer. And then the next day, my wife was like, why is your phone going off? Who the hell is sending you an instant message at like midnight or at one o'clock? I was like, I don't know. And I look at my phone and it was all these message requests showed up about, hey, my credit score is this. Can you get me into a house? My credit score, I was like, whoa. <laughs> next thing you know, that group today, yeah. 2015 to now, that group today has 27,000 people. Oh my. There's another group in Sacramento, California, State Capitol, um, that has 57,000 people in it. I have another group that has 100,000 people in it. Yeah. 
it became real that social media was the way to go. Yeah. I would make a single post in a group, like with the one with 27,000 people in it. I'll make a single post. All 27,000 people sees it at once. Yeah. And then when they make a comment or a like, guess what? Their friends see it. Absolutely. When their friends see it, and then their friends make a comment or a like, their friends see it. So organically, it's insane that 27,000 people can lead to like 4 million people. Yep. Yep. And that all started from 2015, right? Again, for our listeners, like this is like, it's here, it's, but it's recent. And from that, from one post, that's all it takes. One post, one, really what you did is you gave value. You actually didn't go in there trying to sell someone on something. You oh, just, that doesn't work. Yeah, it never works. But you went in and said, hey, did you know, blah, 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 and this is what you can do. And from that, when you add that value, people are like, oh, I need to know, I need to know. And then they start to seek you out. That is the power of social media, man. You, 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 you hit it. Yeah, and selling part is very important too. So somebody made a post last night. They said, I am a first-time home buyer. I need help and guidance on getting myself into a house. That's all they said. Next thing you know, you got vultures making comments. Hey, so-and-so, I PM'd you already. Get, me, get back to me. Hey, I tried calling you via Facebook, but you didn't answer, so I left you a message. Don't do that. Exactly. It scares the crap out of people. Exactly. Not, you, are, you are cutting yourself off already. I made a post, I replied to that post saying, hey, there's a lot of great people, a lot of knowledgeable and experienced people here on this group that just commented, PM'd you, called you. I'm not going to do that. I'm just letting you know there are programs for first-time home buyers that can help you. I am a lender, have been for over 20 years. If you have any questions, PM me. That's all I said, right? My phone went off the hook again. <laughs> And all those people that tried all 50 something comments that happened was completely ignored. Yeah. That person went straight to me because I wasn't trying to sell. Absolutely. That's such an important, that's, it's so important, Mark. Like people don't get it because again, this kind of comes full circle. It's because most times they're chasing money. Most times they're chasing the money, right? So when you're chasing the money and that's the only thing on your mind, when you sniff it out or you're like, oh, this is an opportunity, you come right in, but it never works. It never works. You have to be able to add value. That person has to be able to feel comfortable. Uh, at the end of the day, no one really likes to be sold anything. It's funny. I was talking to one of my, my buddies and we were talking about uh, why people now we think are scared to post that they need something in real estate, like on Facebook or somewhere else because of the vultures. Because literally if you throw out, hey, looking to buy a home, you're going to get like, 8 million people that come behind you and try to like, you know, blow your phone up, right? Like they'll figure out ways to get, get in touch with you. It's happened to me just on little things. I threw out something about a virtual assistant and some people comment, but some people go directly to the private message. Some people find my email and email me. And so people are constantly doing that, but that's like the opposite way to go about selling. Did you always, obviously you didn't always know that, but you kind of figured that out, huh? I, I, I learned it. Um, Trulia, you heard of Trulia.com? Mm -hmm. So we, I was one of actually the, the um, what do you call those people that they use to test? Um, I was the, anyway, 
Trulia at that time started in, and we were in San Jose, living in San Jose, California at the time. And Trulia used, um, picked up a bunch of realtors as beta testers. Okay. There you go, beta testers. There you go. And Trulia was like, they gave us pointers. And they're like, first of all, when the goal in Trulia is you want to um, create a question or answer questions, try not to sell. Mm. What I mean is, don't say, please contact me. Right. Don't even use that word. They, they were like, if you're going to answer the question, answer the question. What are first time home buyer programs? First time home buyer programs are blah, 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 blah. End of story. I didn't, you, I didn't put call me. My contact information shows up when I answer the question. Yeah. I didn't say call me. Here's my email. Let me email you. None of that stuff. Julia said, don't do that. And so I took that same idea in, on Facebook and I see all these people saying, call me, call me, call me. I'm going to email you directly. I'm going to send you a text message right now. They need to back up. You know, you think car sales. I'm not saying car salesman is bad. <laughs> it, it's not a hard close. Yeah. We're living in a different time. We're living in a yeah. completely different time. And you really can't hard close. Because again, people don't, like, people don't like that. It doesn't build a genuine connection. They, they much rather go with the person that treats them right, that lets them move at their speed, their pace. They'll come back to you. Right. Like I, I do again in my own business, I do this just on the financial services side where when I, you know, me and me and my wife have had our business for about seven years in the first two, three years. Right. We're going hard. We're selling. We're life insurance policies, annuities. We're selling. And then all of a sudden we realized we weren't really building lasting connections. <clears throat> Excuse me. In our in our industry, we have something called chargebacks. Right. So like if they don't <laughs> right, if they don't keep that policy for long enough right? They're taking your commission back from you. So when you start to ebb and flow and you start to make money, but then they start taking it away and then you can't get in touch with your clients, you start seeing like, maybe we're doing something, we're taking the wrong approach here. And the approach that we needed to take was to build more relationship with people, to really like let them know that we're there for them. We'll answer the questions. We'll move at their pace will be a resource for them. We don't just have to close you on a policy and get your business, but if we can show you that we're there, you're gonna stick around. And it's done tremendous things for our business, right? Like we don't, we don't have that chargeback problem. Right? Every once in a while, people run into a financial hardship, but at least they tell us, right? At least they don't just ghost us these days, right? Mm -hmm. And so these things are so important. And for the, for, for the agent, the, the new agent, the agent that's a year in the business that, is hearing the message to keep selling, right? To keep selling because they're thinking about the money. I would tell you, listen to what Mark is saying. Like, that's not going to play out long-term. Think about how you can add value, be of service to people, because that's really going to obviously be more beneficial, right? Right, right. And, and, you know, if I had any other advice, you kind of reminded me of it. So I was, uh, I was like the Chinese Jamaican. <laughs> and, and the reason I say that is because I had my hands in everything. Yeah. You know, I, I was licensed as a real estate broker. I'm licensed for mortgage. I'm licensed to do life, series six, 63 and seven. Okay. I'm licensed to do construction, right? Wow. That did not go anywhere. Yeah. I was really good at selling life insurance. Trust me, I was really good. Yeah. Whenever I was trying to focus on selling life insurance, I wasn't doing anything in real estate. Sure. When I was trying to do real estate, I wasn't doing anything in life insurance. So when I was doing mortgages, I wasn't doing anything in real estate. And it is not beneficial for you to be able to get your hands in 
every single thing in the Jacoby Garden. It, you need to focus on one thing. Say that again, right? People, people give me shit about this all the time. That like, they think that they can have seven businesses. That whole seven streams of income, right? Is what every millionaire has. Like, they didn't get it all at once, right? They focused on one thing and that led to other streams. Not they were doing seven different things. People get this confused all the time, Mark. Talk about it. Yeah, you got to build yourself up. Everybody's right here right now. I was, you know, I was telling my wife that we, it, as a Christian, we have to help people. That's, how, that's what we're supposed to do. We, we, we have to appreciate and love everybody. But financially, my wife's telling, oh, let's go donate this, let's go donate that. I was like, not yet, right? When we were younger together, I was like, if these are the people that we are trying to help and we're at this level, we can't help them because they're gonna literally pull us back down. We need to be able to bring ourselves up first and then be able to pull everybody else up with us. Right. So in a sense, when we're doing this whole, <laughs> when we're doing this whole financial literacy of focusing on one thing, it, it kind of encompasses, like there's a book actually called the one thing. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I know that book. Yeah, I wrote it. Um, uh, Keller, Ke- um, last name. Uh, I don't know. We'll figure it out, but it's called. Yeah, the we'll one thing. Anyway, anyway it, you have to have these, these little nuggets in your brain. Um, that kind of remind you all the time. That's why I go in front of the mirror and talk to myself because I have to remind myself every single day that this is the task that needs to be done. And, and, but in life, there's little nuggets that you have to remember. Don't take financial advice from broke people, <laughs> right? What they, can they teach you, right? <laughs> right. Everybody always has something to say what to do with your money, but they can't even freaking afford <laughs> a candy bar. Exactly. Um, secondly is, you know, spend more time with people that are like you or better, mm-hmm. right? You might have friends that are effed up. Mm-hmm. You might have friends. They're your friends still. We're not telling you not to be friends with them, but we're telling you that you got to be spending, you need to spend more people, uh, spend more time with people that are either like-minded or successful because then it kind of rubs in to you and your, your mentality becomes more successful. Yep. That kind of, it, it's true. You're the, you're, you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. That's, that's how we say it. You're the average yeah. of the five people you spend the most time with. If you're five friends, if it's your five family members, if it's your five coworkers or mix of those people, you are the average of them. You make about the same amount of money. You'll think about life about the same. You'll have the same amount of happiness. Your family life will be the same because that's your peer group. That's your association. So you're hitting the nail on the head, Mark. Like the key is to pull yourself out of that to get into a new association group that is better than you, makes more money than you, has a better family life than you, right? Has a better business, bigger business than you. And if you hang around them and that becomes your association, that becomes your peer group, then naturally they're going to pull you up. Naturally, you're going to learn. Naturally, you're going to make more money. But it's funny, I gave this talk to a group of kids in the Philly area um, at their high school, and I told them, and this is probably the only time they've had you know, a professional or finance guy basically tell them that they were going to be poor. And I basically told them, listen, you guys are going to be poor unless you pay attention to what, what we're saying. And this is the big thing. When I gave them that five, you're the average of the five people that you hang out with. I was like, the reason why most of you won't listen to us and do that is because it's uncomfortable. 
And it's the most uncomfortable thing when you don't have money to put yourself around people that do have it, you will naturally feel uncomfortable and you'll go back to your comfort zone. That's why you'll stay poor. And I was like, any of you in this room, I was talking to like 200 kids. I was like, if any of you, right, actually want to get to the next level and actually be successful, you're going to need to leave your friends, the people that you are comfortable with behind. And most of you won't do that because it's too tough. And right, some people like were nodding, other people were like glazing over, right? And I was like, it's just the truth, right? It's just the truth. We see it. So there's two other things, the golden rule, right? And then, oh, now I just left it. Anyway, when people are, are focused on chasing that money and, and, and trying to build wealth and we're telling you, hang on, you know, you're the average of the five people and do not look for rich people because that's not what we're trying to tell you. Exactly. <laughs> Right? Oh, this person got money. Let me go hang out with him. No, there's, you can't judge the book by its cover. That's right. Right? There's people that are genuinely successful, but not, they could be successful and have nothing to do with money. Absolutely. And, and those are the kind of people you actually, in my opinion, should, I should be hanging out with. I want to pick up rich people's brains, their brain. <laughs> sure. But I don't necessarily have to be friends with them. Exactly. I want to be friends with good people. Yep. Good character people have good families, right? Good faith life, good balance, right? Like good integrity. And I don't know if you've, you've fallen for it, but I've fallen for it a few times in my life that I've sought the rich person and found out that their character was nowhere near what I was looking for. So they had one thing in their life that maybe I wanted, which was the wealth or whatever the case is. But when it came to anything else, they didn't have it. And I've been fooled before that. I, that's how I learned that exact lesson. Mark is like, I'm not just, you're not just looking for the people that have the money. You're looking for people that are good people that can actually, that are still ahead of where you're at, but that in like have those core values that you believe in, whether it be faith, family, right? Business, whatever, fitness, whatever it is that you're trying to get better and improve in. That's how you have to find it. Right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, my, I found, I know rich, wealthy people and try to be friends with them. And what I learned is how they got to where they at. They, um, it was really bad. I mean, they, they had to step on some toes, run over some people, kill some people, stab them on the back. I mean, whatever it took for them to get that money, they got there. But then I was like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. So why am I going to hang out with these folks? Exactly. Right. I, I, it's, it's, a, I work for my kids. Yeah. I, I am, I, my bosses are my wife and kids. Mm -hmm. and I, whatever I do to keep them happy, educated, respectful. What's that Boy Scout thing? A scout is trustworthy, loyal, helpful, courteous, kind of obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. All that from Boy Scouts I learned back in the day at Hershey. Yeah, yeah. I, I try to pass it on to my kids. Like sure. you have to be this, like you have to have some sort of discipline from Hershey. Have to have this kind of four legs to stand on. And, uh, and so that you can actually live a good, respectful, successful life. Absolutely. And, um, the ki the, your kids will only listen to a role model that's closest to them, which is you. So if you're at home or doing something effed up, I'm trying not to curse. I know where, but if you're doing something bad, yeah. um, your kids are watching you, yeah. right? I have to be a role model for my children. And what, it, what do I need to do to do that? What are the right steps, the right nuggets I had to pull from different people, even 
be respected by my wife and children. And that's where I'm at. And that's how my focus has been. Absolutely. How, how much of this mindset do you think you learned from real estate? How much can you attribute to that? I wouldn't say attributed to real estate. I think the mindset of my having my family is attributed to me being successful in real estate. Got it. Um, real estate is a is an avenue or a a a, a means of generating income. But I'm, I don't want to get into detail on this. But realist being a realtor and being a mortgage person is really not a good way to retire. Mm. Yeah, right now. Why you should get into that. Let's get into it. Like what, what why would you say that? Cuz a lot of people wouldn't agree with you. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, so <laughs> realtors nowadays and loan officers is all about accolades. I'm number 1. I don't give a crap if you're number 1. I will make more money than you at the end of the day. Right? Mm -hmm. You know that um I forgot what magazine it was. It was the New Yorker or something like that where they talked about the 10 richest people in the in, in the United States, mm -hmm. right? Those are not the richest people. The richest people in the world are not even advertised on magazines because they don't want anybody to see that they're, they're that wealthy. Absolutely. So that is all just fake. Mm -hmm. uh, um, anyway, real estate, if you look at, um, I, I, I was talking to a friend of mine who was one of the top agents in San Francisco. She closed over a half a million, half a half a billion dollars in real estate deals, wow. right? In 2019. Here's the crazy part. She doesn't have a hundred thousand dollars cash or more in her checking account. My she, goodness. How does that happen? If I'm doing a calculator right now, <laughs> and, and I was literally saying um, 500 million. And the average commission of a real estate agent is two and a half percent. Yeah. That's twelve point five million dollars. Yep. Why does she have less than a hundred thousand dollars? I said she, I'm not gonna mention her name. Why does she have less than a hundred thousand dollars in her checking account? It's crazy. It's sad. Yeah. Right? What, I mean, is it do, and what would you say that, that comes from? Bad spending habits, lack of financial knowledge. Is it that more has to go back into the business in order to close? Five hundred million dollar deal. It's not twelve point five million. <laughs> well, I don't know. You don't know what type. I mean, if she, <laughs> she so, has some marketing and advertising dollars, I don't it's know. The lifestyle, yeah. right? Yeah, it's the lifestyle. Yeah, it, it, it's back to the accolade thing. Oh, Scotsman Guide says that you're the number one real estate agent in the United States. Why don't you come to Vegas and speak with us? Sure, let me pay for my first class ticket. Let me pay for a suite in uh, Vegas. Oh, and let me pay for everybody's dinner because I'm the best. Right. Yeah. Makes no sense. So stupid. <laughs> I'm so passionate about it because I look at these realtors nowadays and it's like that same thing. Like it's the lavish lifestyle. I drive, I make good money. Yeah. I drive a Volkswagen. Yeah. And I'll still drive a Volkswagen. Yeah. Because it's a diesel and I save money. Mm -hmm. Right. Why do every damn realtor? have a Mercedes-Benz or a BMW. I get it, they're beautiful cars, they're nice cars. I've had it before. Right. But there's a difference between shopping, buying a purse for, you know, there's different, women have different upgrades of purses, right? When <laughs> they buy from Target, Walmart. And then when they're, they're making good money, they start upgrading themselves to Gucci and Louis Vuitton. Right. That's a $1,200, $2,000 purse. And then when they're really making money, 
they upgrade to Chanel, which is this little ass purse for like $30,000. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. but that does not make financial sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. And who's we teaching them? Kids. Again, who's teaching them? Who's teaching these? And I think that's what you're mean, you mean by this is like, no one's teaching these realtors. No one's teaching these agents what to do with the money after they make it. It, bec <laughs> it becomes this superficial, right? Like, look at me. Like you say, the accolades, the look at me. I drive the nice car. I can afford the big dinner. I can do all these things. And let me buy myself right. some. Right? Know. Yeah. Yeah, let me let me look better. Let me like that's that's what it becomes. And then, like you said, you sell uh, half a billion dollars in real estate, and you don't have a hundred thousand dollars in your checking account or saved to be able to do anything. Like that's you know that's sad. And there's a lot of and again, this is adding so much value, Mark, to the people listening because a lot of realtors and people that are starting out in real estate are actually going down that path because that's what they see. They see the people on million dollar listing and all these things that are like doing it big. And then they think that like they have to live that lifestyle, but that's not the case. That's not the case. I mean, you're, you're, whatever you're seeing on TV, it's maybe about a 1% chance that that's going to, you're going to do the same thing. Yeah. Right. There's just no way. I mean, half of these people got to where they're at because some freak of nature. Mm -hmm. A lot of them did work hard and, but they, all they needed was one thing. I told you about Facebook. Mm -hmm. Blow up on Facebook. Yeah. I only made that one post. That's it. I did not know that it was going to happen, but it happened. That's the same thing what you see on TV. Yeah. So you really can't mirror exactly because you are not you. Like my wife reminds me, there's nobody else that is Mark you other than me, right? I'm the right. only Mark you. I can't expect my other loan officers to do what I do, right? Because they can't repeat what I do because I'm only me, right? Um, but anyway, back to the the, the income thing. Um, it's always about buy and hold. That's what we call it in real estate. A yeah. uh, good friend of mine, he has like a couple hundred thousand followers on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, his name is Tach Nguyen. Okay. T-H-A-C-H uh, and then Nguyen, N-G-Y-E-N. Okay. Um, if you follow him, he has this thing called the Burr method. Everybody's talking about it, but it's real, right? You buy, Burr stands for buy, rehab, uh, rent out, refinance repeat right so you you buy and, and, and i don't want to get too detailed because it gets really in depth but the whole goal is to buy property dirt cheap fix it up rent it out and then live off the the rental income absolutely yeah and that's the only way so my wife and i are literally trying to buy as many properties as, as we can by the time i'm done and have most of these properties paid off no matter if i have huge money in retirement and my pension right I'm gonna sit pretty with the real estate alone, and I'm not doing shit. Sure. I'm just just relaxing and having a coconut with an umbrella on it in Hawaii somewhere. Yep, and that's and that's the conversation I have with people. They they really get it mixed up. Selling homes or being a realtor or in mortgages or anything is completely different than using real estate as an investment. Real estate as an investment is the way to go, right? Like, there's so many tax benefits. Cat, as long as you're cash flowing properties, right? Like as, as long as you're doing it the right way, you know your numbers, that is the way to go. Too many people though, try to be in the industry, sell the home in order to then try to buy homes. And I'm like, you're doing too much in the industry, right? Getting to that point is not as simple as you think. So having the investment is smart. Right, well, Tash Nguyen is a good example. He came in here from Vietnam, his whole 
family, his brothers and sisters and mom and dad, they only came here with a hundred bucks in their pocket. Yeah. Right. That was it. I'm gonna tell you right now, attach uh clears a hundred and fifty thousand dollars a month net after all the expenses. Yeah. He nets a hundred and fifty thousand dollars a month. Off of real estate? Off of his uh -huh. investment? His investment. Yeah. He'd be a realtor. He yeah. stopped that shit. He he basically his wife, he wanted, he always wanted this Ferrari. He always wanted a Ferrari. And you know what his wife says? He made, he, they make over $150,000 a month net. Yeah. His wife says no, because if you could buy a Ferrari, we can buy another house. Right. <laughs> he said, and he agrees, the Rome wasn't built in a day. It took him 25 years to get to where he's at. 25 years. It was hard. Yeah, he made a lot of sacrifices. But you, that's the kind of mindset and goal you have to have. Don't expect this to happen overnight. Mm -hmm. This is the reality. Yep. You want to get good in real estate and um, focus on something like this? You have to stay, keep pumping that water well. That's it. That's, and, it. that's the key. Yeah, he, he didn't buy his Ferrari. But um, I think about 10 years later, his wife finally said yes. <laughs> he's on his second Ferrari now. He's on his Rolls Royce, uh, two Ferraris. But because he has so much money that he just blows it now. Yeah, but 25 years, that's, that's the takeaway point for the listeners. 25 years gets you to that place. Not two years, not you know, wholesaling and selling contracts and trying to get to that point in a year. Like it's just, it's just not the way to go. But the investment side of real estate is super important. So I think that that's a good place to kind of wrap up. Mark, tell people where they can find you if they want to find you. Where can they find you? They can find me on Facebook at Mark with a C Y U, or they can go to the ugly mortgage guy.com. The ugly mortgage guy.com. Yep. That's good branding. That's good branding, brother. I like it. Mark, thanks so much for being on the podcast, man, for all the listeners. Hopefully you guys one reach out to Mark one. He, obviously you see he's ton of knowledge, been doing it. He's an expert in his field reach out, he'll give you value, he'll add value to you, send people his way, do business with him uh, because he's a good guy. But at the end of the day, he's a, he's a resource for you to get to whatever you wanna do or wherever you wanna be, whether it's in the investing side, whether it's in the mortgage or loan side, he can help you out. Uh, so feel free to reach out. And uh, Mark, really, really appreciate it, man. Anything you need from me, you know you have me here. I'm more than happy to help you out with anything. And uh, thanks again for being on the show. Thanks, Chris. God Absolutely. bless. Absolutely. God bless you too. And to all the listeners, we'll talk to you guys soon. 